Good morning. I especially want to say good morning to all of you at home that I never get to see. We may talk on the phone. You may get a card from us. You are always in our prayers. And I just want you to know that you are, each and every one of you, very, very special in my heart. Can we pray for just a moment? Lord, we just thank you for all of us being here, whether we be at home or in this room. I pray that you would just fill us with your peace that passes all understanding. And gracious Lord, that my words may be your words that they will touch our minds, our hearts, Lord, in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I want to tell you a story. My grandfather came to this country as as a gardener. He had about one acre of just gardens. I love the flowers and the vegetables. So I enjoyed working with him. It truly was a very special time. I think that's when my love of and for the gardening started. But then, as I grew up, every member of my family had to have a garden and had to take care of it. Dad had a very large vegetable garden that seemed to go for miles, but it wasn't quite that large. My mom grew gladiolas because they were her favorite flower. I had a bed of tulips because I knew they needed the least amount of work. And my brother had a weed garden He never did anything with it. He just let the weeds enjoy. As I grew up, my father would read or tell me stories. And one day he told me a story about a farmer who planted crops all over his property. Actually, the seeds went everywhere, all over the path and all the areas that he had walked And every day, and you know, that became a real favorite story of mine. We would change the locations of the story and the kinds of plants and what the farmer raised. It was such a simple but always changing story. Then one day something happened that absolutely shocked me. It was in Matthew that I found a similar story. And it was exactly in chapter 13. And to this day, it continues to be a favorite of mine. Are you blooming where you are planted? Where are we planted? 
we're going to find out where we need to be planted today and where we need to grow. It's always simple and changing as it is with this story. The storyteller continues to be my father, not my earthly father, but my heavenly father. And I find that remarkable. The same day my heavenly father, Jesus, went out of the house and sat by the lake. How often do we read that Jesus would speak to people by the water? Yes, and also how that group of people would become crowds of people. This day, there were such large crowds gathered all around Jesus that he got into a boat and sat in it while the people stayed on the shore. Now, without knowing any more about Jesus telling the story, we experience the power of God. You see, because of the hills and the angles, as well as the the shore of the Sea of Galilee, something wondrous happened. A natural amphitheater was created. Perfect! God is perfect. And so Jesus began his message. Wait! Wait, I'm saying. This is not God's message. I'm saying to you, wait for God's message. It's important that we know that this is the first parable told by Jesus. And it's also the only one that's found in Mark and Luke. The simplicity of a parable makes it come alive. Also know that it provokes many questions and different ways of looking at the content and we can't help but wonder which, every, which time we read or hear it that it says something special to us. I propose that every time we read something, it changes because of where we are and because of what we know, what we don't know, and especially where we are in life. Jesus started simply and logically. And he said, he said many things. But he said to them, listen. And he proceeded to say what he had to say. And I want to share with you what he said.
He said a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seeds fell on different ground. So he told them that this is going to be a story about a sower. Now, we just heard that, didn't we? But did we listen to it? You know, I believe that there is a really different difference between hearing and listening. We can hear many things at once, but we can listen to only one thing at a time. And we have to purposely listen where we don't have to um, purposely hear. So with one word, Jesus is saying what he has to tell them is important. Now how do we react? How do we react when people say, listen, listen to what I have to say? Sometimes we react with, oh good, I can't wait to hear it. Other times we react with, who the heck do you think you are telling me to listen and to pay attention to what you want me to pay attention to? So we have to remember that listening has to be a decision that we make. And sometimes our reaction is a little bit of both, isn't it? We like listening to the voice of the person. We like the person, but we're not necessarily liking the message. Now, who is the sower? And why is he so important? By definition... The sower is someone who sows. Not S-E-W-S, sowing clothing, but spreads things to sow, to grow. He's a farmer, or she's a farmer. He's someone who operates a farm, who scatters seeds over the ground for growing, to strew something around or over in an area also to disseminate, to spread widely things such as information. As we continue, decide what kind of sowing the sower is doing. Also be aware that scattering something with your hands isn't always the most efficient way of doing things because you can't control what you're doing. Now, before we go any further, let's identify what Jesus is talking about. 
And first of all, I want to tell you something about this parable. Jesus is the sower. And, is he, and he is comparing himself to an ordinary farmer. His message of the kingdom is like the seed falling on soil. This is important, most important to remember. However, even today, it's the word of God that is the dynamic force behind the spread of the kingdom of God. As he scattered the seeds, some fell along the path. And this is depicting the path that the sower walked. And some seeds fell along it. And what about this path? Because many times when a farmer is sowing seeds, they fall along the path. But paths are frequently walked on, and the soil is patted down, and therefore the seeds cannot connect with the soil. But Jesus didn't stop there. He says the birds came and ate the seeds. That seems like it's exactly what would happen. But what is Jesus doing? First, he's comparing the hard path with people who reject the word of God immediately. Have you ever been with someone who starts preaching the word of God to you and you're not in the mood? You reject it. Because we believe in the word of God, we don't reject it fully. But there are people who reject the word of God immediately. They don't hear and they don't listen. Maybe because of being trodden upon by heartbreak or disappointment, materialism, or even disillusionment. Yes, the soil is now so hard that even God's spirit cannot penetrate it. Second, he's comparing the birds with Satan. This reminds us of the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. Both wrestle for people in their kingdoms. For people who say that Satan isn't alive and well, they need to consider that there is constantly a battle between God and and him for saving souls. They actually wrestle for people in their kingdoms. Jesus is also saying that there are people who, upon hearing the message, do not understand it. And because there's no understanding, the seed never has the opportunity to take lodging. 
And as I was preparing this for this morning, I used some language I don't usually use. For example, a plant not able to secure lodging. Have you ever thought of a plant needing a place to live? It's important that we think in different ways as we listen to parables. We can't forget, but sometimes we choose to understand. And this is when the evil one takes advantage of those circumstances, when we choose not to understand. This is when Satan takes advantage of who we are, both as a person and as a heart for Christ. You know, it's really difficult many, many times for us to understand. It's really a time that we are not listening, but also that our minds are not processing what we're hearing. Now then Jesus said some of the rocks, and I'm not going to go down and get them, some of the seeds fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, because it had to take the nutrients that it needed quickly. Now when I first moved here, and now it's 21 years ago, which is amazing to me, I found my yard, on my yard was a huge rock. I'm going to call it a stone. And it was beautiful. It had parts that dug out, parts that had little crevices. It was really a gorgeous, gorgeous rock. And it was probably as big as this table, if not bigger. I dug up many rocks so I could have flower beds and not rock beds. In case you don't know it, a lot of the real estate down here has grass on the top and pure rock under it. But what I did with this huge rock was to get flowers, to put them in the holes and the crevices, to make it beautiful. And what I did was spend a lot of hours lugging water, bringing nutrients, trying to keep them alive because they didn't have what they needed to live alone. You know, rocky ground can create deceptive growth. And that's how this big rock was. You think that it's growing out of the rock. 
but it wasn't. I placed it there. So plants can't gather water from soil or grow roots which allow the plants what they, ne- what they need necessarily to soak up water and nutrients for long-term growth. This also means that some people have shallow beliefs, believe it or not, even in church. Sometimes we get excited about things, but we have difficulty allowing true growth. Many years ago when I was teaching, some of you probably don't know that I was teaching special needs youngsters for years and became a special needs director. But I was in the classroom with this great group of kids and we were talking about minds, M-I-N-E-S. And we were talking about stalactites and stalagmites. And those are the dripping things you see growing from the top of the uh, mine or the cave and coming from the bottom of the cave. We put two cups on the windowsill with a string leading from one cup to the other. And in the cup, we, I had made a mixture of different salts and water. And what we did was leave them there and pretty soon the string in the middle would start dripping and it would drip on the bottom and make a stalactite. It would, I mean, might. It would drip from the top and make a stalactite. And they were really, really neat. And one day a child got so, so excited, he touched the cup and broke the connection. We get so excited sometimes that we don't allow things to come to completion or to their true growth potential. So the rocks correspond to the things inside our hearts and keep us from growing roots and deepening our faith. While still experiencing limited growth, You know, as I was thinking about these stones, I was reminded once that I was a stone collector. I had one of the most amazing stone collections that you'd ever want to see. That and stars were my favorites. And to this day, I don't know where they are. I gave them to someone because they were so very special. Now these things show us that there's nothing lasting when seed falls onto rocks. And that's exactly what Jesus describes. And Jesus said, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Jesus even used nature, the sun, S-U-N, which contributed to the short life of the seed and plant growth. 
So what's our role when this happens? Plant elsewhere? Remove the existing dead plant? Transplant it to other fertile ground? Or prepare ourselves for change? We have a lot of decisions to make. Now the sower also identifies other seeds fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. I don't know if you can read that or not, but it says what? Gasp, 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 gasp. And they're among the thorns. And I'll tell you, these thorns are the sharpest thorns you would want to see. But you can see that there's room for the seeds to fall through them. And there's always constant competition because of that. Can the, can the um, thorns choke out the plants we want? And now the, remember this. This is the first time that the sower, Jesus, talks about what additions the seeds have to endure. When you think about your life, what is keeping you from living God's word? From hearing what God wants from us? How do you cram your life and with what? Especially during this time we've been thinking about that, isn't haven't we? Do we think about worrying? Do we think about riches? I listened today to the radio on the way in and they were talking about what's going to happen to the various businesses. Do we fill it with pleasures and desires for things other than God? This is what keeps us from bearing fruit. In Luke 22:23 we read, "Life is no is more than food, and the body more than clothes. We are more than anything and everything in this world except for the word of God and the love of Jesus. This is a time when the people who hear the word but who lets the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it. You know, when you spend hours making lists of things that you have, things that you want. You are denying time with God, even focusing on God in your life. Folks, we have decisions to make all the time. Now then Jesus said, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Huh. 
how do you know how many times it's going to reproduce or to produce? In other words, what is good soil? Because this is what Jesus is talking about, the good soil. And we have good soil. Now, the degree of good today is based on the amount of harvest in relationship to the amount planted. Today it's reported that 40 to 60% of harvest over the amount sown is excellent. But Jesus says that the spiritual harvest could be even greater than that. It gives you 100% return. When analyzing one seed of wheat, it will grow into a crown that has multiple tillers growing out from it. Isn't it interesting that the harvest is not one seed in this parable? The harvest is where everything is headed. It's the point of bearing fruit. And so, how does Jesus end this parable? Whoever has ears, let them hear. So what is he saying? He's saying, listen. He's come full circle in this parable. He wants you to listen to what he says. And then he wants you to listen while you do it. Listen is a dominant message. Now I'm going to read Matthew 13, 18 to 23, which is how this parable is analyzed and taken into consideration um, by, the expert, by um, Jesus when he finished telling it. And this is Matthew 13, 18 to 23. And here's the first one that we saw with the bird. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. In the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what is sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with great joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world can lure them of wealth, I'm sorry, can lure and the lure of wealth choke the word and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown in the good soil, 
This is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another case, sixty, and in another, thirty. So we look at the percentages that even Jesus gave us for reaping what we sow. You know, I'm giving you time to think Because that's what Jesus did by telling parables. People had to think about what he was saying. And I believe we see in this parable the history of the world from the start of Jesus' ministry to the end of time. The kingdom will advance not by swords and outward battles, but by simple preaching of the word of God. Am I preaching to you? Am I telling you instead of preaching? Am I inviting you into a new experience? I want you to hear the words of St. Francis of Assisi. He said we are to re-preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words when necessary we can preach the gospel in everything that we do we are so fortunate we not only have the words of Jesus in scripture But then we also have the power through the Holy Spirit to listen and to produce fruit. It is also wonderfully appropriate that Jesus used the analogy of the sower, the seed and the soil, to portray the communication of the message of the kingdom. Because if you go back and look at your scriptures, you find that we are indeed soil. From our creation, remember, we were formed by dust and then the breath of life was breathed into us. And when our life is through, part of the words at funerals are from dust you came and to dust you will return. And so we need to know that this eternal message is because the Spirit of God is in us. We also know through the words of the prophets that God's word will never return void, but that it will accomplish the purpose to which God has sent it. Not our purpose, but what God has sent. So as you leave this time of worship and sharing, you see that we have a seed and the growth 
of a plant, a sunflower. And that's how our life is to be with Jesus Christ. We start as a seed, but we don't remain there. And we have the ability to move from rocky ground to good soil, from thorns on the ground to good soil. We have the decision that we can make to do all these things. You know, everything is for a season. And your relationship becomes more and more intimate with Christ as you grow eternally from where you are planted. Through your life, bloom. Produce fruit. In the name of God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son, And through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus gives us this challenge. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Louise, for that message this morning. As we've been doing... um, Hey, today is July 12th, isn't it? This is 91 days. Wow. It's been 91 days that we've been praying Psalm 91. So let us pray it for the last time today. Lord, thank you for the rest that comes when I choose to live in your shelter. I declare you alone are my refuge, my place of safety. You are my God. I trust in you. I pray you will protect me and my family from the virus. I pray you will cover me and shelter me. I thank you for your faithful promises that remind you will protect me. Help me not to be afraid of all that I hear and all that I see. Help me not to dread the virus that is terrorizing our world. Lord, many are sick and more are fearful and anxious. I pray protection for me, my family, my church, my community, my city, my state, my country, my continent, my world. I pray, Lord, as I make you my refuge, that no evil will conquer us nor come near our home. And I pray for protection by your angels wherever I go. Lord, I love you. I trust you. Please rescue and protect me. Thank you for answering when I call. Thank you for being with me in trouble. Thank you for salvation and the hope of heaven. And everybody said, Amen. So now let us sit in the presence of God and soak in the word. My heart is yours.
heart is in God's hands. As we go forth today, put your life into His hands. All that you're thinking, all that you're doing, all that you're feeling, let God's presence be with you. This day and always. Stay well, stay safe, my friends. God bless you this week. Amen.